0: American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, welcome, everybody. Tell you what, let me mention a few things here right off the bat. One year ago, when I started this podcast, I thought to myself, again, way back to when I was a little kid, and I remember listening to talk radio from time to time and saying to myself, why aren't more people discussing What's going on in American education? Because here I was going to school on a day-in and day-out basis and seeing horrific things—just one horror after another, one inconsistency after another, one bad policy, one bad rule, one bad educator—over and over and over again. And I saw them outnumbering anything that that was good that anybody would interpret as being a good thing. And unfortunately, I still view things that way. Now, again, I'm not saying that there aren't positive things that are happening in educational avenues or certain education institutions, but it's certainly gotten to the point where it's beyond obvious that the best instruction is self driven instruction within the home, within a healthy environment, away from the chaos. Because, again, It's that environment where you allow the mind to do what it was born to do, and all of the propaganda that we've heard our whole lives about homeschooling and how bad it is and how it doesn't work and you're not socializing your child and they'll grow up weird and all of this other stuff. Again, it was unavoidable even when I was a school teacher. The best students that I had Bar none, were the students who were homeschooled and and had decided that they wanted to give public school a try, and they would show up, and they would even, not immediately, but they would eventually tell me that they had homeschooled from the age of five all the way through either you know the beginning or middle of middle school or high school whenever they showed up into my room, and I remember immediately saying to myself that it was blatantly obvious that that was the case because they were incredibly polite. They would raise their hand if they had a question. They would they would actually think about what was being discussed and then provide uh you know their own insight into something. So I'm not saying that learning is dead. Learning is certainly not dead. Learning is very much alive, and I think it's alive more today perhaps than ever before. And I certainly hope that that continues to be the case. Because again, in the coming months here, I think people are going to start learning even more. More than they could possibly imagine. And I think that everybody is eventually going to have to just shift back to a more simple way of doing things. And if that means less of everything within one's life, even as horrific as that might be, I think it's going to be worth it in the long run, in particular for potential future generations. So. Again, I started the podcast because I knew also that you all listening had something to say and that many of us, myself included, and, and I would assume you included as well, were, were basically saying we can't be the only ones out there that are, that are hearing this and we can't be the only ones out, that, out there that are experiencing what we're experiencing. There have to be other people out there who have experienced these things and seen these things and are equally as outraged. As we are, and I can tell you firsthand again that we are not alone here. we are certainly all in this together, not from that covid propaganda line nonsense, but you know what I mean <laughs> we we're, we're all you know we, we are uh, we, we are together in this battle here and it and it's a battle that has to be won, and it's a battle that has to just continue until we win, but we also have to win it on an individual level as best we can too so Today is the first uh, one-year anniversary of this podcast. It's flown by. It, um, it seems like just yesterday when I started this, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going with this because I enjoy it. And when it comes naturally to you and you enjoy it, you shouldn't put it down unless somebody tells you to put it down. And fortunately, in doing this, no one's telling me to put it down because there's no boss here but me. And I love listening to all of you and reading your emails and answering your emails and communicating with you on Gab and having a uh, just an excellent intellectual back and forth about what's going on around the country in particular from an education standpoint, political standpoint, whatever it may be. So I want to keep this going. Um, I also want to say this too. I want to thank all of the individuals again who have have listened and are listening, all of those who have emailed, and those that have made donations as well. I got a nice donation just the other day. They know who they are, Um, but thank you for that, and I appreciate it. And the donations are appreciated because, again, I'd like to keep this going. So I just want to make people aware that, for some reason, the Subscribestar account isn't working. I don't know why they're delaying any of that. But either way, there is a PayPal account there on my website, AmericanEducationFM. If you're interested in making a donation and you can afford it, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and the same is true with Patreon. If you just want to make a small monthly donation of 5 or $10 and toss that on every month, that's, that's great too. But I'm interested in keeping, uh, you know, c- continuing with this. And uh, I want to continue to provide information to you that I think is valuable. And more importantly, even too, I want to provide information that, again, you think is valuable. So as I've said in the past, if there are things out there that you want me to bring up on this because you think it either needs a bigger voice or, it, you know, a bigger megaphone of, of sorts then by all means, send it to me. Email it to me, and I can, I can read it on the podcast. Just let me know that you want me to read it on the podcast. And again, if anybody listening to this wants to be on and has information that they want to share or a story that they want to tell, please, that's part of this too. Because again, this is one of those things in the field of education that just doesn't exist. You know, you hear about these different talking heads on television, sort of haphazardly covering an education subject when they themselves haven't been in education. And I'm not saying that, excuse me, that a person needs to be in the field of education in order to understand the ins and outs. They really don't. They certainly have to pay attention to it. And yes, having done it and having been in it from top to bottom, inside and out, good, bad, and ugly, um, it certainly lends itself a certain perspective to say the least. But Everybody has something to say, because this is one of those subjects that we've all experienced. And I just remember, as a young person, wishing that there was a radio show that would have people on it to talk about what was going on within their local school, and to have, but, but you know, not filtered. Not this filtered, well, you know, things could be better, and I sure hope that things turn around tomorrow and all of this other sort of watered-down nonsense. We have to grab the bull by the horns here, twist it around the neck, and drag it to the ground. And uh, I had always longed for something like that on the radio, and sure enough, here I am now doing this. And, um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to do it for a year. I hope it continues in the future. I hope uh, the episodes continue to be informative for people who view it as being informative. And that's about all I have to say, which has taken about eight plus minutes, but thank you. That's essentially what I'm saying. I'm saying thank you. So I hope you keep listening. I hope you share it wherever you can. Tell complete strangers about it if you want. Go for it. Um, so there you go. So with all of that said, Let's dive in here. First of all, I have a new Substack article up on the American Classroom Substack. Um, it's titled The COVID Lie Connections. So please check that out. I've got, there's probably six or seven um, major bullet points within that article that sort of highlights some of the more bold faced lies that are taking place and how they're connected. And as you might imagine, it's all about money, it's all connected through money. And that's why everything is taking place right now the way that it's taking place. It's not just to destroy people's lives, but it's so that the people at the top continue to get paid. Now, with that said, there's a local thing I'd like to bring up here that was tossed my way again by an individual who is going to go unnamed, but they know who they are, and they contribute to um, the podcast. And then I want to get into this... uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland letter. And I don't want to spend too much time on that because it really is rather obvious at face value at this point, at least to me, as to what's going on with it. But he's a tyrant, and I'm going to get into his recent letter that was publicized uh, just a couple of days ago because it's worth mentioning again because it really has more to do with the First Amendment and protecting the evil while stepping on the innocent, even though in his letter it's, it's twisted the other way. So first of all, with this local issue, as you may be aware, I live in the same town as where Miami University is. And Miami University, again, back in the day, to provide a little bit of history, it started in 1802, and at least two or three United States presidents um, attended this university, James Garfield, I think being one of them, and William McGuffey. The author of the McGuffey Readers also lived here and I believe taught here, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could drive you right to his house. It's it's ironically enough, as I've maybe mentioned in past episodes, it's right across the street from what is called, of course, McGuffey Hall, which is a beautiful building where the education department is supposed to be doing the right thing. And they aren't. And unfortunately, they haven't been doing the right thing for a very, very, very long time um so there's that but their president Greg Crawford is soft and he's weak and we've probably met these people before in our lives um but not to be too disrespectful but <clears throat> he panders to the left he is a leftist he panders to black lives matter he panders to antifa He has done this the entire time that he's been here, and he hasn't been here all that long, a few years perhaps. And he seems to think that um, he's everybody's friend. He's again one of those people. I want to be everybody's friend and whatever else. And, And one of the regular tactics of a university president is frankly no different than that of a K 12 superintendent. They either show up, they do the right thing and they stick around, they show up, they do the right thing, and they leave, or they show up on purpose to destroy things, and then they end up leaving just a pile of trash in their wake from what they've done within a local area. And Greg Crawford comes from Notre Dame, the University of Notre Dame, and when my dad worked here, He, along with a bunch of other full professors and what have you, were, uh, you know, a a part of the interview process for incoming presidents. And um, I remember some of the stories that my dad would tell about Greg Crawford. Um, Me personally, I don't trust university presidents. I just don't. Uh, I I think that it takes a particular personality in order to have that position. And that's not a personality that I possess. Um, Yeah it's much like that of a politician. You have to love the limelight. You have to love the handshaking and the back padding and the the dinners and the lunches and the brunches and the this and the that. And that's just, you know, that's not me. But I remember hearing some of the things that Craig Crawford was saying when he was being interviewed to come here. And people were very hot on the fact that, excuse me, that he came from Notre Dame. And I thought that doesn't matter. None of that matters. Is he a leftist? Is he a Marxist? And does he have the potential to be? Does he look like somebody? This is one of my sort of filter questions for a university president. Do they look like somebody who can easily be squeezed? If somebody got to them, someone with money or bad motives, got to them and squeezed them a little, would they they soften up and would they give? And the answer is, in this case, yes. Greg Crawford is soft. And his wife is soft, although probably stronger than him. Um, but th- the point is is that when you are soft as a president, you're going to surround yourself with either people who will take advantage of you and you not know it or care. Or you will surround yourself with people who are just as soft. So given all of the jab and COVID nonsense, I want to read this letter that apparently went out to all faculty members. Uh, at Miami University. And this is worth breaking down because good Lord in heaven, um, it's gotten to the point now where these policies and the very people who are writing these letters, ladies and gentlemen, they're writing their own criminality out on paper and then sending it out. So you can't make this up. I mean, they are actually killing people with their policy and they're probably not going to be able to make the connections between what they're actually doing and what's already happening and what is going to happen. Not to mention what you're going to hear here, here, here that's hilarious. What you're going to hear in this letter is full-blown coercion of the highest order. So the letter reads like this, quote, Dear colleagues, the lingering global pandemic continues to impact each of us personally and in our work at Miami. While there will never be enough ways to thank you for all that you have accomplished the last 18 months in our commitment to Miami and our students, we want to demonstrate our appreciation by providing faculty and staff with a mid-year bonus. Unquote. Now, before I get into the next couple of paragraphs, first of all, what exactly has been accomplished over the last 18 months in higher education, really? The only thing that has really been accomplished in higher education over the last 18 months is the veil has been lifted and everybody has seen what they are capable of, what they are incapable of, thinking is one of those things, and that their online instruction, because they haven't had it in the past, is subpar to zero. Well, subpars, yeah. It's just bad. It's beyond bad. And again, I'll never forget uh, the spring of 2020 when they all decided to just start giving online education a try. And it caved in. It caved in immediately. So what have they really accomplished? The, uh, again, blowing smoke up their own backsides is about the only thing that they've accomplished. It's embarrassing. And now, of course, it's, uh, it's bribery, coercion, and, and the killing off of their own faculty and their, and their own, their own lives. So here's the next paragraph, quote, full-time employees will receive a $500 gratitude bonus and part-time employees will receive a $250 gratitude bonus. This payment will be provided to all faculty and staff, classified and unclassified, who were employed on September 1, 2021, and are still employed on January 15, 2022. In further recognition for all that has been accomplished during the fall semester, staff will not be required to use any vacation days for the winter break, December 24th through January 1st. Now before I move on to the third paragraph and there's four paragraphs $500 is going to be given to full-time employees and part-time employees get $250 as a bonus but they're but they're asking these individuals again you've got to get these jabs by a particular time which the third paragraph will describe but you have to, you can't quit if you want your $500 or $250 bonus. You can't quit, uh, you know, b- b- before and, and get your money. You have to stay jabbed and stay employed through January, or at the very least, request an exemption. So here's the third paragraph. It says, quote, to qualify for, your, for the bonus payment and the additional vacation days, Employees must provide proof by October 25th that they have received at least their first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine or have requested an exemption by October 15th. For those employees who have only received their first dose by October 25th, they must also provide proof of having received their second dose by November 30th. The bonus will be included in the employee's last paycheck in January. So they're holding it over their heads. 250 to 500 bucks. that's what they think a life is worth. But they're not viewing it that way because they don't see these jabs as being deadly. Because if they actually knew that they were deadly and that people were dying and are going to die, would they still go through with something like this? Would a public or private university still go through with this? Is it possible, ladies and gentlemen, that they are so brainwashed that not only have they killed themselves with the jabs and potential boosters, which some are already taking or thinking about taking, as you heard Dr. Robin McCutcheon mention about Marshall University, are they so far gone That they have, again, no idea what they're doing or what's coming. For those of us that are awake, it's pretty easy to see what's coming. But is it actually possible that they just don't see it? I think it is possible. I think they have no idea. And it really has gotten to the point where we can shout it from the mountaintops and they're just going to make fun of us or ignore us or it'll be just back to business as usual as far as they're concerned. Because they're just not listening to all of the warnings. And they're watching way too much TV, which is an abomination in itself. Not to mention, as I mentioned also in the Substack article, in the past, when you were getting jabbed last spring of 2021, if you actually went through with that, you had to wait four to six months before your next jab. Now they're having people jab them. They're having people get jabbed who haven't been already with both shots within 30 days of one another. How do they actually think that's going to work out? I mean, no one is thinking about anything medically here. Nobody. Not a single person, apparently. And I would love to know, because Dr. Robin McCutcheon has done it, but how many others have done it? How many others have approached their, their provosts or their department chairs or the president's of their universities or schools and said, you don't know what you're doing here. You're going to kill us and you're going to kill the people who are doing this. And you need to lift all of these exemptions and all of these mandates and you need to do it right now. And you need to lift the masks and you need to have people breathe so they don't get sick from oxygen deprivation and killing off good cells with carbon dioxide and XYZ. How many people are actually doing the right thing on these college and university campuses and within these K-12 schools that, again, are coming down the line with more and more mandates, in particular with the jabs? I'm going to mention that too a little bit later, the business of what the FDA is going to be doing next week, because they're, they're doing exactly what they do and what they've been doing, and if they have some kind of a ruling one way or another? The CDC is probably just going to outrule them and and go through with it anyway. Who knows? But the last paragraph of this letter reads like this, quote, The fall semester is going well and in many ways better than we had anticipated in our planning for the semester. Our COVID-19 rates remain low and we have not seen any serious outbreaks among students, faculty, or staff. Quote, we have you, the faculty, and staff, and our students to thank for our collective success. Thank you for staying healthy together. Healthy together, by the way, is capitalized. So there's another buzzword for you. Who knew that? I mean, it's the Marxist plan of attack, is it not? To take basically every single word in the English language, trademark it, and then turn it into a slogan. Why is healthy together capitalized? Capital H, capital T. I don't get it. I mean, I get it, but you know. Staying healthy together by wearing masks and practicing the recommended safety protocols. We are grateful every day for the dedication and support you provide to our students and each other. Love and honor, Greg. Unquote. So there you go. $500 and $250 is what they think a life is worth for someone who works at Miami University. If you're a professor or a faculty member, you get $500 for being jabbed. If you're a street sweeper or you clean the toilets, you get $250. Nothing divisive about that. Not to mention, it's all for a deadly poison. And again, I've mentioned this before, but I'm shocked, again, at the parents and the students that just willfully came here as freshmen or go to any of these campuses where the jab is mandatory and the masks are mandatory. I mean, it, it absolutely blows me away. They, it's as if they don't know that online education is a thing, that that even exists. They just have the old dogma of, well, I have to move away from my parents' house, and I, I have to pack up my belongings, and oh, I need to buy a new comforter for my dorm room, and, I can't wait to get those TV dinners in my stomach and watch Netflix and meet a new roommate and walk around on the campus and blah, 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 blah. I mean, that old dogma is dying. It's already dead. It's already dead. And they're doing themselves in now. They're absolutely doing themselves in. But again, from an observational standpoint, and I've brought this up too in the past, I'm shocked that freshmen aren't looking around or sophomores or juniors and seniors while still on these campuses and saying to themselves, gee, there's really not a lot of students around here anymore. Wow. Two years ago, there were a lot more students here. I I wonder why that's the case. The synapse just isn't firing. They're, They're not making the basic visual observation that the numbers are low on purpose. And there's a reason for that. And the people that maybe they used to see that aren't there anymore, aren't there anymore because they don't want to wear the mask and they don't want to take a deadly jab and they don't want to be quarantined and contact traced and told on and yelled at and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they they just don't want any of that. And I'm shocked that people would actually think that wanting that is a good thing. Or that wanting to be around the unhealthy with the mask and the jab. It's just, I don't know. I'm rambling now, but I mean, it's just, it's upside down. It's upside down, is it not? It's just upside down. The jabbed and the mask wearing actually think that they're doing the right thing. And they seem to think that everybody else who isn't doing what they're doing is somehow doing the wrong thing and uh that right there is beyond problematic. That's just a few things I wanted to mention there regarding miami university and uh and their current policies, bribery policies and their uh president's stance. but again, one of the things to keep it, uh keep in mind here going forward in the future is that such letters are actual i mean there it's it's almost going to be a a court level exhibit for a prosecution of an individual. Did you know that these were deadly? Did you know that they were harming people? And again, saying, well, our health department told us that we had to do this. So, you know, following orders again is not a legal excuse. If you're the president of anything, a university or whatever, and saying that you didn't know that they were That they were deadly and that they've killed more people than all vaccinations over the course of history combined. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of openings in higher education in the future, in particular for presidents, but that's just my guess. Okay, on to the FDA. And then I'm going to get into the Garland letter here. I'm sort of reversing things around a little bit, but the this particular story from the FDA sort of leads into the Garland thing. Um, The Food and Drug Administration is at the end of next week is going to hold another advisory committee meeting, and it says to discuss emergency use authorization for booster doses and COVID nineteen vaccines for younger children. Now, specifically, this is going to have to do with COVID-19 vaccine boosters for Johnson & Johnson and Moderna. And as you might expect in this FDA article, which I'm not going to read, they're sort of touting themselves and patting themselves on the back a little bit. Uh, It also says this, The FDA anticipates receiving a request from Pfizer to amend its emergency use authorization to allow the use of its COVID-19 vaccine in children 5 through 11 years of age. In anticipation of the request, the FDA is moving forward with scheduling an advisory committee meeting on October 26th to inform the agency's decision making. Again, they're coming after the kids now with a full-blown FDA-approved Pfizer jab for kids 5 through 11. I've said this before, if you jab them, you will sterilize them, if not kill them one or both will happen before the other clearly but that's it um that's going to be the end of next week i'm sure there will be another sort of powerpoint presentation that the fda puts out uh with audio potentially you know with with doctors talking over top of it but if it if anything occurs just like it did the last time the cdc director's going to override them slap on some emergency use authorization, and they're going to have children from aged 5 to 11 be able to take this because their psychopathic parents don't know what's going on, and they're jabbed to the bone anyway, and they're going to start jabbing their kids. Uh, I don't see this as getting better. I just don't. Unless there are nothing but saline solutions in all of these jabs upcoming, and I find that I find that hard to believe. I, I just, I find that to be next to impossible. Not to be a downer again, but you know, I just don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't think. I don't think they're going to do that. I think that the real juice is going to be in the actual shots. And uh, even though it might be divided up a little bit, which again, that kind of brings up another thing, which I wasn't going to mention, but I might as well. I came across this, it's not anonymous, but it was a post that was on vac- uh, COVID vaccine injuries on Telegram. And it essentially said that Spanish researchers had studied the Pfizer jab and the ingredients of a Pfizer jab, and they didn't find any mRNA in it whatsoever. They said 99% of it was um, uh, graphene oxide. So, again, I, I said it on gab, false equivalency, which is it? Because it can't be both. I've seen documents that say that it's that the vast majority of the Pfizer jabs and all the jabs is messenger RNA. But then at the exact same time, they say, no, there's no, now, apparently, according to this rather innocuous post, they're saying, well, um, there's no messenger RNA and it, it's, it's graphene oxide, which is bad enough, I might add. That's enough to hijack the cell and cause um, a T-cell explosion in the body, which creates autoimmune conditions and then ultimately death. So it's not like one is better than the other per se, but I, I don't know. It's, it's, it could be purposeful disinformation. It's hard to know, but um, a lot of that's out there, as we might expect. And yeah, I don't, I don't even see the purposeful disinformation getting any better either. It's just something we have to pay attention to, and again, I'll I'll keep bringing it up as as, as soon as it sort of crosses my radar. Okay, Merrick Garland. A little background on him if you're unaware. Um, He sat on the D.C. Circuit Court. Barack Obama tried to get him to be a Supreme Court justice the last year that Barack Obama was in office, um, albeit falsely in office because he wasn't born here. Um. What else? Merrick Garland, as as a result of sitting on the D.C. Circuit Court, overheard the Michael Flynn case um, a while back when Sidney Powell was um, defending Mike Flynn, General Mike Flynn. And I listened in on some of those court hearings. And I have to tell you, you can almost immediately figure out which judge is ethical and which one is not and it's pretty evident that regardless of the position that he has, he's he's not ethical. He is blackmailed because most are blackmailed. He certainly has the face of somebody who's been blackmailed. Um, And uh, yeah, so I'm just going to read the beginning of this particular letter here, and it has to do again with Essentially encouraging individuals to not yell in K-12 school board meetings is, is basically what it says. That you can't threaten elected officials and you can't threaten government officials and blah, blah, blah. So the hypocrisy, of course, knows absolutely no bounds here. Um, but before I read it, I'm just going to interpret it pretty straightforward. This has to do, again, with all of our First Amendment rights. It doesn't really have anything to do with school boards and and yelling at school board members. That's not really what this is about. This is about continuing to draw the divisive lines between the Marxists and the freedom fighters. Those that want to be independent and free and those that want to control. That's it. That's it. It it. It cuts the Marxists more slack it allows the school board members to basically make up anything they want from a safety standpoint. So they can now say to themselves, well, we don't want to have a a public meeting because we're quote-unquote fearful of what might get said or fearful of what might happen to us. And all that does is is it allows them to then take their meeting behind closed doors, video recorded on a Zoom call, and then post it on the internet after the fact, and then people get to respond online or send them letters that they won't answer or won't respond to. And then they'll just move forward with their own Marxist policies you know, going forward. So it just cuts them more excuses to make more excuses for their own Marxist behavior. That's all it really does. Now, with that said, and this is important, and I have kind of brought this up in the past, but it certainly bears repeating in this context. If he's implying that the FBI needs to get involved with individuals that make threats towards school board members or that school board members are allowed to now file complaints against particular people for saying particular things at school board, at school board meetings or even in emails or whatever, ladies and gentlemen, the FBI does not have jurisdiction in local areas. Having had family members who have, who have communicated with local police, that is not the case. If the FBI shows up in your town or city and they knock on your door, they have to tell the county sheriff, the sheriff's office, and the local police department where you live and let them know what, what they are doing, what you have allegedly done and then a decision gets made there as to whether or not your door gets knocked on or not now fortunately and i don't know the man but you'll you'll probably recognize him once i mention his name or at least narrow it down to the location here in butler county ohio our sheriff is sheriff richard jones and richard jones is a mustache wearing cowboy hat wearing no nonsense straightforward kind of guy um he's openly said he's not arresting people for masks. He said that very early and a long time ago. He's been on Fox News numerous times. He's consistently on Bill Cunningham's sh- radio show in Cincinnati. Um I too have been on Bill Cunningham's radio show oddly enough a long time ago. But um he called me a great American, very cool. Sean Brooks are a great American. I was like, "Thanks. Thanks, Bill." Um but anyway, I digress. The point is, is that the FBI cannot come around unless they have local law enforcement permission. If the F- if you were to say something online or or, or say something um, in person or at one of these school board meetings, and all of a sudden the FBI shows up to your door, it doesn't mean that the FBI is following the law. Chances are they haven't. Chances are they've blown right past. Um, the county sheriff—they've blown right past your town or city police, and they've just decided to intimidate you. I would recommend you not say a single word. If ask them to identify themselves, and when they do, close the door. Don't don't deny anything, but don't accept anything either. If they say, "Are you the Sean Brooks who said this?" Just close the door, lock the door, and then, according to local police where I live. They've openly stated, call the police, call us, and then call the sheriff's department and let them know, and there you go. There are, you know, one of the cool things about police departments is they don't get along with each other all of the time. City police don't get along always with township police and vice versa. They don't always get along with the sheriff's department. Sheriff's department doesn't always get along with local. But one of the things that does sometimes happen is they all hate the feds. And if they all hate the FBI, then there's a nice dividing line right there. Um... So that's my two cents on that. So let me read this letter very quickly, and at least the front page here, the first page that's available. I, I certainly don't want to read any more past this because I've pretty much just interpreted it, but at least you'll hear his particular approach, because again, this has to do with schools partnering with the federal government and federal uh, law enforcement to basically, you know, protect school board members, teachers and staff. because remember, they're the innocent ones in all of this child abuse. I'm being sarcastic, of course. Okay, quote, in recent months, oh yeah, sorry, the subject line says, uh, partnership among federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial law enforcement to address threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff. And again, as I said in the past, what this does is, is it defends the the, the worst school districts. It now gives them carte blanche to basically do whatever they want. They can keep parents out of board meetings now. They can they can fill their board meetings and, and barricade their board meetings with local police. Um, you know, it it gives them an excuse to be more militant than they already are. So it says, quote, in recent months, there has been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, uh, board members, teachers, and staff who participate in the vital work of running our nation's public schools. While spirited debate about policy matters is protected under our constitution, that protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views. Now, you can intimidate people all you want. That's fine. They do it with us. We get to do it with them. Telling telling them that we're going to kill them. I mean, that's that's overstepping it clearly. But uh, we get to intimidate people. There's nothing wrong with that. And it, I mean, for God's sakes, if facts intimidate you, then you know you're just weak. So yeah, to, <laughs> that, that reminds me of something really quick. Sorry, I'm dragging this on. There was a parent at one of the last board meetings. That I watched in the local school district here, where the male got uh, this very soft male got up and he essentially said, Look, I mean, he was clearly a leftist, but he said he he did the old thanking the board member for their hard work and their dedication and protecting everybody and blah, blah, blah. And you know, he's been double jabbed and he was wearing the mask and losing his hair. And uh, look, I mean, he he looked like he hadn't done a push up in his entire life. But the poor fella actually stood there. And he actually said this. This came out of his mouth. He said that there were individuals that were afraid to come to the school board meetings for fear, of their, for fear that they wouldn't be protected and that they were afraid. These individuals are interpreting knowledge as violence, that because we are more knowledgeable about a subject and they are not clearly, that we are somehow more violent than they are. I mean, that's the delusion here. That's the total synapse disconnect that exists among these whack jobs. Okay, second paragraph. Threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. That's funny coming from him. Uh, Those who dedicate their time and energy to ensuring that our children receive a proper education is a safe environment in a safe environment, deserve to be able to do their work without fear for their safety. That's funny, because they're harming themselves with uh, the masks and the jabs, but whatever. Quote, the department takes these incidents seriously and is committed to using its authority and resources to discourage these threats, identify them when they occur, and prosecute them when appropriate. In the coming days, the department will announce a series of measures designed to address the rise in criminal conduct directed towards school personnel. Coordination and partnership with local law enforcement is critical to implementing these measures for the benefit of our nation's nearly 14,000 public school districts. In this, to this end, I am directing the Federal Bureau of Investigation, yes, that's right, that same FBI that is a criminal organization, working with each United States attorney to convene meetings with federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial leaders in each federal district within 30 days of the issuance of this memorandum. These meetings will facilitate the discussion of strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, uh, school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, and will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting, assessment, and response. The department is steadfast in its commitment to protect all people in the United States from violence, threats of violence, and other forms of intimidation and harassment. Unquote. Uh, I mean, the document is absurd. It's beyond absurd. So first of all, I say this regarding myself. Come and take it. It's that simple. Come and take it. I'm going to keep talking, I'm going to keep saying the things that I want to say, and the FBI and Merrick Garland can stick it as far as I'm concerned. They can stick it. So they're not the ones that get to dictate or erode the First Amendment while, while referencing it in this same, in this same little uh, memorandum this just won't stand. They can knock on my door all they want. They can knock on anybody's door all they want. They're not going to get away with it. They're just not going to get away with it. We get to say what we want to say. Are we running around threatening to kill people? No, we're not. The only people doing that are the left. That's what the left is doing. And again, if people want to say what they want to say, well, they get to say what they want to say. But they don't get to break the law. No one gets to break the law. And again, this is one of the reasons why these school board meetings are, have, have jumped the shark. They've jumped the shark because, again, you've got masked individuals showing up to these school board meetings wearing masks again um, and demanding that people stop wearing masks. That's one of many hypocritical things that's occurring within these meetings. If I was to show up now at a school board meeting, I wouldn't show up with a mask If somebody were to stop me, one of the board members, and say, sir, you're not wearing a mask, I would tell them the same thing. I even made a meme about it. Um, I would look at them and the first words out of my mouth would be, I have a medical condition, which is why I'm not wearing a mask. My medical condition is intelligence. It's chronic and it's terminal. And then I would just get into right what I was going to get into saying, how they're robbing everybody and they're receiving tens of millions of dollars to abuse children and mass children. I mean, this right here again proves the uh, the the lawless state that we have and the lawless country that we have here. And it is lawless. There are no laws anymore. But they're all crumbling now. The we, we are we are actually living through the apocalypse. We're watching everything crumble and be revealed all at the exact same time. Because with every brick that is removed, a ray of sunshine is shining through that wall and we can see what's actually on the other side. We can't put it all together yet. We can't put all the pieces together and see everything crystal clear as to what's on the other side of the wall. Again, we know that God wins in this situation, but um, every single time that they try to throw one of their own bricks at us from their own wall that they've constructed. All it's doing is destroying their own wall. And I love it. So yeah, Merrick Garland, uh, take your blackmailed rear end, get back into your office and write another memo. Go ahead, do it. Write more TPS reports and see what we think about it. Because we're just going to bring them up from time to time We're going to see them and interpret them for what they really are, which is a destruction and total erosion of the Constitution of the United States. And you think you can take it away from us, and, well, you can't. So good luck with all that and whatever it is you think you're going to do. Because most sheriffs who are worth their salt are going to tell the feds to go pound sand. They're just going to tell them, get out of here. Well, we have to do this, and we have to tell you about this, and this is just what has to be done, and this is just what is, get out of here. Sheriff Jones is just going to look at him, God willing, and he's just going to say, beat it, get out of here. Time will tell on that, of course, but um, yeah. So with all of that said, again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening here, jumping on and finding this podcast. Again, I recommend spreading it wherever you can, and I hope you continue to listen and yeah, support the podcast any way you can. Um, I would like to wrap this up by doing something I did when I first started this podcast, and I'd like to read Matthew 18, 1 through 14. Happens to be one of my favorite passages, so bear with me here, and King James Version, here we go. It says, quote, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, it is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that ye, despite not one of these little ones, For I say unto you, that in heaven their angels do always. Behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so, be that he find it. Verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which not went astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, I think summarizes why we don't stop and why we aren't quitting. That's why we have to continue to wake people up, whether they want to hear it or not. And that's why, again, we feel compelled to continue to help people who are not awake yet. Even if they don't figure it out, we won't be blamed for not trying. And we certainly have a lot of people to protect. And I highly recommend that we keep doing that as much as we possibly can. So with that said, again, thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on Friday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.